Hey you, don't do that, do this. My name's Bob Gordon, welcome to Hibernation, a podcast about how people are getting on with life and being creative during this isolation period known as COVID-19. From Melbourne, I'm joined by Australia's rock and roll laureate, Tim Rogers. How you doing, Tim? Hey, Bob, just uh, ducking into the fridge. Uh, it's cocktail hour after all. I thought it might be. Uh, it's about 20 to 6 your time, PM. So it's, it's as... Been, it, trying to be a little conscious of doing uh, with Melbourne the way it is at, at the moment to do, not fall into that trap of waking up bleary-eyed and just getting on it, thinking, well, I can be creative whilst sucking back tins. Um, so just trying to keep a little bit of a rigmarole and yeah. waiting well, until about five. Yeah, any time post five has a sort of ring of dignity, I think. A ring of dignity, yeah. You're my favourite GP. Yeah, <laughs> and then all bets are off. So when you say you're I'm in Melbourne at the moment, how is Melbourne at the moment? Um, because we're, we're pretty relatively uh, lucky over here in, in the West um, with things. Um, and it just sounds, it feels almost a bit of guilt about feeling relatively good about how things are here because the news doesn't uh, paint a nice picture of the East Coast at the moment, particularly Melbourne. And so how's it feeling and, and for it to kind of be... Uh, Wow, it never really went away, but but sort of well, a return to restrictions. Mm. Well, the, the, I think uh, it, it's odd waking up in a town that you know is largely depressed and nervous. Um, when the virus came, I, I know I lost two jobs in a day, and, and which was fine, um, but I just couldn't I, wait to bore measures to, to come in. I was working in a bar um, downstairs at the SB in the basement. Yeah. And I just thought, this is like a Petri dish. And already people were sort of making fun of it. I mean, on, on the last night I worked, I, the, I sold um, more bottles of Corona than any other beer for the first time ever. And yeah. something just struck me as very wrong about it. Uh, anyway, then as the, the news the proper news from medical professionals came in. Nervous, you know, and then and as, as restrictions being eased, and the numbers, uh, it, it's a real numbers game at the moment. The numbers stayed low, and there was a bit of levity. Um, I started opening up, there's a bit of optimism, thinking, oh boy, we, we dodged the bullet there. And then, uh, yeah, the past two weeks, since the um, numbers have just rocketed up, uh, there's people are nervous, and, and, and this time with the restrictions, um, which I got to admit I thoroughly agree with, uh, yeah. and um, would even go harder um, because I care more about other people's health than, than uh, other other concerns. But um, it's it's the town's depressed and and it's nervous and and uh, people are weary and. Resigned is what I see. Um, I go for a walk once a day. I'm not amongst people, um, and if I do, you pass people and you see them and, and uh, receive phone calls and messages. And hmm, I've got to trying to keep a very 
watch rely on strangers and neighbours and friends as to how they're doing because uh, yeah, this, this time around there's no um, hey come on we're all in this fucking together bullshit um, yeah it's not the truth but we're going to get, get out of this and, and people go serious and, and you, you want to kind of um, be declamatory about that but also stay the fuck at home and, and read a book and, and uh, you know not one to proselytise on, on social media I guess um, just choosing to live by example. I mean as, as someone who you know as a writer you know you spend a lot of time in, in your own company uh, with your words and your, and your music anyway, but also as someone who clearly revels in performing. And uh, I guess they're two things that clash or bang against each other in normal times. Um, how's one sit where you're used to your own company and uh, writing or, or reading and, and the other where you obviously revel in um, uh, being on a stage? Well... No, I, I tried to actually leave performing music last year, and I've admitted this to my bandmates that I was I was trying to leave the band and, and reconcile that with myself. I talked with friends about it, uh, right? And um, because touring and, and performing, just I was becoming miserable again. And I thought, well, I'm not going to become miserable and make life difficult for everybody. I'm just going to just slip out of this and find some other way of, uh, of existing. So not performing. Um, honestly, Bob, I've done three and a half thousand, four thousand shows. What, what I'm feeling bad about is people who haven't done all that and, and want to feel a burning desire to go and perform and mm. go and do that. It's not like I feel that my race is wrong because I absolutely cannot flip and wait to go and tour again. Yeah. But um, even if it means flying in Cessnas, but um, that's not my. I'm not um, feeling aggrieved by that at all. Right. Uh, I did a uh, film uh, project just a couple of weeks ago with a, a young girl who went to kindergarten with my daughter, and. Uh, thinking, and she's a musician as well, I'm thinking, wow, they're going to not have this opportunity for a, a while, a long while it seems here, of doing shows and playing in front of people. And I was, I was um, feeling very sorry for that situation that those, those kids all wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, the, the staying at home, um, I had to think about quite a bit because... Apart from being mysophobic, which is a, a more um, uh, dignified way of saying a germaphobe, and also mm -hmm. a hypochondriac, um, when this all started, I, I fell in a heap and just went the, on the, in the complete self-medication. I, I just don't want this to, you know, a flying um, virus around. I mean, it's the stuff I've been obsessed by since I was 16 and, and led to some really embarrassing behaviour. And, but um, the, the, the staying at home bit actually 
sits with me quite easily because uh, you know I've got a book or I'm fine for the day. I don't need to. to I don't particularly. I, I like drinking alone. Um, yeah. <laughs> I live alone. So, but then very early on, my sister's husband died of the virus in in London. Mm, I heard. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it was kind of. And speaking to my sister yesterday, and she had to travel in the state for her kids yesterday, and when she'd hear people grumbling behind her in a queue, oh, we're getting checked again, geez, overreaction, you know, bloody have to wear masks, civil liberties, blah, blah, blah. And she's now at the point where she'll turn around and say to people's face, can you please not talk about this? I could not attend my husband's um, funeral. I, I didn't, I, she couldn't actually be with him when he oh, died. And God. So, yeah, but let's talk up how... You can't go to the pub. Now, I bring that up, not definitely not for any um, um, to join dredge up emotion, but when, you know, well, speaking to my sister and what she's been through. It's the harsh reality. The pub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, how have you felt during this? Because it's not a time for whatever reason, to not be feeling somewhere near 100% yourself. Because at the start of this, um, um, I had to um, go to my storage unit to find some tax papers, and it was like the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse. And I kind of tore into it and, and lifted up in an awkward sense, uh, position my, a microwave, and I immediately felt something go on my back like never before. And it turned out I'd torn... A, um, uh, a disc in my lower back and so I, I spent a lot of the start of the of COVID on my back and it would take two or three minutes to get up off a couch or bed and you know and you're being showered with half hour updates about the virus and this was in March April so when it was still quite unknown and um, and the fear of the unknown and, and it was just like this isn't a good time to not be feeling kind of okay you know um yeah, have have you just kind of been feeling and, and, and just you know like going for walks and stuff and just knowing that you you know you um you'd also need to engage or just breathe in and and look at the sky or something. Well, initially when it started and, and uh, stopped working and um, just started having pretty bad uh, anxiety attacks again, um, which I thought I was on top of, and it was all to do with my own. Pectillos, you know, being a mycophobic and, um, uh, but also I was just hitting it really hard. I thought, well, okay, this is the way I'm going to see this out. And then, but I wasn't available to anyone. And of course, with my daughter in New York and the situation over there went berserk, I thought, uh, she's going to need someone a bit steady, a bit steadier than I was. Um, physically, I was okay. I hear your story about the, the disc in your back going, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a time to go and visit a doctor, really. No. <laughs> um, and so I had to get myself together a bit, just uh, make some changes into um, the way I was treating myself and, and just be a little more available because because I'm fine being 
alone in, 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 in home and I've got lots of stuff to do, you know, and like your line record and, and a bunch of writing stuff. And so I thought, well, I've got to be available if people are not doing so well and they want to talk and I've been can, contacted by many old friends I haven't spoken to in decades uh, from internationally and, and in Australia, people are really old, old school friends and people really just want to talk and hear stories and talk about theirs. Uh, and if you're not, if I'm not available to them, well, I'm being a pretty shit house friend or a distant friend or a neighbour. And so uh, you're right, it wasn't a time to not be well. It's not a time to not be as, you know, the, the best you, you can be on any given day. I mean, some days you just want to, um, pull a blank over your head and, and forget about it. But um, particularly around here, you know, it's a nervous town and you walk around and think, I want to be that masked, <laughs> levitous, um, old fruity gentleman that um, <laughs> that brings a little bit of levity. Yeah, who's rock and roll star written in, in his passport. I beg your pardon, it's rock and roll star on my passport. Written on passport. What's the song? That, uh, that's what it says on my passport, dear sirs. It's occurring to oh. me. That's... <laughs> yeah, there's that. I was very fortunate that my publisher, my um, writing publisher, sent me a big box of her new fiction releases for the year. Uh, Harper Collins, uh, Catherine Milton, the name is in presence like that is invaluable you know it's been uh so the past month i think when the second lockdown happened here in victoria she said i'm, I'm sending you my new releases and, and uh, there's a couple i want you to do blurbs for and um recommendations for and mm. that was great to have a, have a project like that you know amongst the uh, the songwriting for the you know, my record because we, we were actually head long into that davy and i and, and Rusty doing his drum parts in Sydney and sending them down, and Andy doing his bass parts in Sydney, and working in Davy's little studio. And then, with this latest uh, lockdown, Dave and I said, "Look, okay, um, his home studio is tiny, and let's take this shit seriously. Okay, let's just lay it down, and um, we, I'll see you when uh, when we can see each other again." Yeah, yeah. Just thinking, uh, you know, if we're gonna flaunt rules and yet lambast others who do in a more outrageous manner. We said, no, I'm just going to play this straight down the line. All right, Dangles, let's just speak on the phone every afternoon around cocktail hour and um, do what we can at home and you know, the record can wait mm. sort of whenever we can get back together again. Yeah. So how far in are you, would you say? Well, it's all written uh, because I wrote about 20 songs that were just go- I was going to record with Shane Nicholson up in... Uh, his home, uh, kind of bluegrassy stuff, because it was very. Um, uh, the, lyrically, I was really happy with it, and so I didn't want any extraneous musicianship. Okay, yeah. I just wanted it very bare bones. And then uh, I, a couple of months into all this, and I just started missing the band and missing playing, and so I took all those songs and rewrote them for the band um, which took a long while I've never put so much attention into a record any record and uh, so, so that would be pretty different um, sorry it seems like it would be pretty different because um, 
with many Yuma songs and albums being written with full intents and purposes for the band, but then actually taking a, a, a raft of material and then probably it gets clumsy to say and Yuma's it, but or you know obviously make it more suitable would have been a pretty different process. It really was. It really was, Bob. And, but I'm allowing myself to feel proud of doing it because it, it meant editing and, and working on scansion and uh, making sure that the songs were good band songs. It's no good taking a, a song to a band if it's not you're not going to utilise that, that beautiful dynamic that can happen and, and does exist with us. And, and, of course, with me wanting to, to leave band like last year or this year and sort of grieving over that. I didn't know, I mean, I love my friends and, and there are parts of being the band that I, I really love, but being this touring, drinking kind of phenomenon, I was just becoming uh, loose and really um, dangerous to, to friendships and to relationships and, and then writing songs for the band and I could hear them in my head now having said that i don't write anything for rusty I'd, I'd suggest something but and i don't write anything for andy or davy i i write chords and lyrics and rhythm and uh harmonies and that's it and again i could feel that i think they might have needed as well a real project to jump into and uh go around the davy studio and, and just you know ripping the top off a slab and and Working in his home studio is really good fun, and and the lyrics were there. I didn't need to invent um, you know third-rate rhymes, and and the the, the the lyrics meant something to me, and they they had form and and possibly a function. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great. So now sending the demos to the guys, I I would send them copies of the lyrics as well I'm, I'm no longer wanting to be embarrassed by them they're all songs about something and and they're good god damn it so excellent I might, I might actually i might actually try and enunciate this time <laughs> excellent well the last tour that you did was uh spring uh late spring last year um and with, with jebediah and from memory yep. that was quite a lot of dates so was that like a bit taxing or it just like after so many years or shows i don't know was there a yeah just a, a realization that almost took you out of it it physically wasn't taxing at all to tell you the truth I, um we look back at old tour schedules and doing 52 dates in 54 days in the states yeah um 50 shows in, in 55 days in europe and and could we do that now? And we have this discussion all the time. I mean, it, it, it probably, well, it looks less um, likely than ever. But you know, playing every night is you get a, a chance to redeem yourself again. And um, physically, it, it was all uh, felt very capable. But... Um, it's funny things. You, you emotionally rely upon them, and I really am a bit—I don't know whether passive-aggressive is the word—but I'm, I'm a little bit difficult, I think, and can be very demanding, and then very um, laissez-faire, and, and it's a little hard to judge. And I think the other guys have got more of a handle on it, 
and I just I thought I was just sick of being a, a drag. Um, but there were bits that I loved. I loved big drives and um, crappy food, and oh, I love it. And going into country towns and getting out of the cities. You know, I could I could really handle not playing in Sydney again. But geez, I'd love to go to Sydney again. Um, <laughs> yeah, go to Broome again and um, just get out of the cities. But you know, a lot of people say, "Hey man, when it stops being fun, I'm out of there," and they never fucking do it. And I thought, well, okay, this has stopped being fun for me, and I'm going to get out of it. I just don't, I don't know if I'm letting my friends down, but I'm letting them down by being miserable and on the road anyway. Lo and behold, if if we ever get to tour again, uh, I'm not going to complain about anything ever again. <laughs> yeah, you know the rig, the, the so-called rigors of touring. Oh, oh my beer's not cold. Ooh, I don't have real drugs here. But that's <laughs> never stuff to complain about. It's just interpersonal stuff about you know um, feeling very blue and feeling guilty for inflicting that upon other people. Right. I, I recall when you played um, WA shows, I think on the Friday you played, I think it was Margaret River, and then on the Saturday was uh, in Fremantle at the Fremantle Social Hall, but in during the day was the uh, WA's version of the Red Clink Community Cup football game, and you, mm. spent, you spent a fair bit of time on the field. I think you, you kicked one or two, I think, um, and ha- had a good game, and then turned around and played a rock and roll show that night. So um, you, you, you've got it in you. You can, you can pull it out, can't you? I can pull it out when they when they be got. It's when you've got a lot on during the day, whether it's a footy game. And I drove from over the river to Perth that morning as well. Right. Mind you. Uh, if you've got a purpose and it's something that you like and enjoy, and I was looking forward to, to playing with strangers and, um, I love community cup and, and was looking forward to it. I'm not fit at all, but just wanted to be a Uncle Tim. You know, he's he's the 50 year old bloke who can still get the boots on and do something good. I mean, running down two young strapping gentlemen and get them holding the ball because they thought they could take on take me on from full back. That was actually my favourite part of the game because <laughs> I'm I'm not known for my one percenters. Uh, more a highlights reel in search of a game, but <laughs> that was really good fun. And, and the only hard thing was kind of dragging myself away from Fremantle Oval to to stop drinking beer to make sure I could get to the show. Because <laughs> it's great meeting new people and and uh, after you've done something together and and meeting folks from the West Australian music community that I didn't know and, and hearing their stories. And, um, yeah, if every day could be like that, you know, play, play a game of footy in the afternoon and then play a rock and roll show at night. You'd take it, yeah, yeah. I'd take that. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like, um, I think we're two years on from your book Detours being published, which was um, a, a memoir but done in a very individual way. How do you look uh, on two things, how the, the book uh uh, I don't know, served as a portrayal of your thoughts and life and, and also looking back on doing it, the process, and, and then leaving it. Does it 
compartmentalize things? Does it make sense of things or is it just another thing that happened? That's a really good question. It was just another thing that happened. It, it wasn't autobiography. Uh, it was, I wanted it to be in that odd form. I'd, I'd love to do it, go back and do it differently now, knowing what I know now about writing. Hopefully I've learned something. Um, I won't do it again, but I'll write in some other form, and that's what I'm working on at the moment, uh, more to do with fiction which is uh, extraordinarily difficult, particularly when I'm... Well, during that process of, of working in, in publishing, and I got to meet incredible people, writers and people just working in, in publishing. And so I got to um, be intimidated and inspired by one uh, wonderful writers. And you can either get uh, intimidated out of that or you think, uh, there are particular points in the day when you think, oh, maybe I could do that. And there are uh, 23 hours of the day where you think it's just beyond your grasp. But that beautiful moment when you come up with a, a good line, a good sequence, a um, good metaphor, image, uh, just wonderful moments. And, and um, they're just happening at the moment so I'm very grateful for those yeah yeah and uh, when I go out for my one walk of the day and uh, with my mask with tassels on it and um, <laughs> garlanded with jewels of the <laughs> orient and <laughs> I've turned into um, such a uh, very queerly strange old man <laughs> <laughs> you know I haven't baked bread because I love going to my local bakery so much, uh, but um, making soups because uh, it's pretty pretty flipping cold down here at the moment, and soups and baking vegetables and playing Judy Garland records, and uh, I live on the third floor of a, an apartment block and just leave the windows open and play these records for the, my neighbours. Um, sound like Quentin Crisp. Well, it's, it's all heading in that direction. I'm, I'm contemplating getting some cats. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm wearing, wearing a lot of cashmere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's that cashmere bouquet. Um, uh-huh. So also, you know, the Double J radio show you've been doing, um, I mean... Talk about someone who spent a lot of time on the radio, even their songs being played or being interviewed or doing guest things, but having your own show. And then, of course, it developed into the um, Liquid Nights in Bohemia Heights uh, stage presentation. Um, What's that been like? Because um, most people don't um, do a radio show and end up with a stage show. The stage show is very different from... The radio show, the, the stage show is highly scripted and very wordy. Um, my radio show, I wish it was three hours and I could just play records and ramble on, but my producer who I work with at Double J really wants an hour of uh, themed programs and I do enjoy it. I find it a bit tough because... I'd really just 
like to crack a couple of tens and play records for people and, and talk about the records. Yeah. But um, the Liquid Nights show, which I hope makes it to for our next year, very scripted. It's I'm I'm just one of the cast members in it. Yeah. Uh, it's a theatrical piece. Uh, I really love doing it. I work with um, Broads, this um, two ladies, musical um, a musical group. Yeah. They're extraordinary, and. Uh, Johnny Von Goes and Russell Goldsmith, and it's very, uh, but very scripted. Um, and is trying the conceit is that it's a that's a radio show that you actually don't see us, but of course you do see us on stage. And, and that little conceit I love playing with because you have an audience in front of you, but you you <laughs> with the audience you're trying to pretend that it you don't. Each other doesn't exist, so it's it's all wonderful. I mean, doing theatre is is very challenging. It, it's uh, frightful, uh, and so doing this, it's, it's like a way of not having not ever having to audition for theatre again. <laughs> so I can ah. write these pieces with my friends in the in the show, and and we do this performance piece. And the, the last two shows at the Adelaide Fringe Festival were so much fun. So much fun. Well, you sound in good spirits between writing and, and walking and um, cocktail How's your hour. How's back now, Bob? How's my back How's now? Back oh, now? Um, it's not bad. I did. A, I, I moved to South Fremantle in the last week, um, but it was a minor move because most of my stuff's still in storage. And I'm glad yeah. because it, it's, uh, I was a bit overconfident about how well it had um, healed. So just this yeah. kind of reasonably minor move. It was like, oh, wait, okay, yeah, it's not quite there. So luckily it wasn't a full house move kind of thing, but um, much, much better. And, uh, Good boy. And, yeah, uh, as I say, it's, um, you know, there's gigs happening here. Um, we haven't quite lifted all the, the final, uh, whatever you call it, uh, restrictions were going to lift but haven't quite yet but there's gigs happening and people are going out to things and mostly being um, uh, socially distancing but people are very cheery and um, and there is a lot of hugging and like you know bands are smiling and people are smiling because they can hear music being played live like it's actually quite innocent and pure one of the uh, here and, and on doubt whether everyone's of the same opinion, but hearing that other states are, particularly WA, kicking off again, it actually gives us a little bit of hope. You sort of need to know that somewhere, okay, this is being done and it is possible. We're just going to have to hang on for a long time. Hanging on for for a time is what humans can do. Uh, a lot of humans just need some glimmer of of hope up there, and, and so there's no. I would be very disappointed if there were oh bloody hell and where's the game going out? Yeah, well, good bloody on you. And I actually got offered a plane ticket out of here a couple of weeks ago. Very odd little twist of fate, and uh, someone said, I can get you a plane to get out of Victoria if you want to lock down again. I, I was just flabbergasted. But I said, well, I'm not leaving now. No way. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing this. Yeah. Um, 
I'd, I'd feel awful leaving and going out and there's a rumour that the band may come over to Western Australia sooner than later and quarantine and play some shows and and even that, I, I mean, of course I want to and, and we will if we get the opportunity, but no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm digging in, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm get up and put my pants on the wrong way and my, my socks on my head and <laughs> pen and, and a novel and a, and a cup of tea and a little snip of whiskey and come on, we're getting through this, baby. Yeah. It'll be interesting, you know, people when they say, I wonder what we'll look back on this or what we'll think a year from now. But at the moment, a year from now seems like seems like a hundred years from now in a way. As as in this time last year seems a lot longer ago than this time last year. Oh yeah, I think um, I hope we don't look back on it. I hope we learn. Well, fuck! I hope people in far greater positions of power learn something from this because we, we if we don't learn anything from this we're stupider than we appear now as humans really i mean for i, I you know i look forward to actually hugging a human again um it's been i, I cannot wait to see my kid again mm. which probably won't happen for another year which uh, just it, it hurts so much I, I don't even allow it to be a thought yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, but, gotta fucking learn from it. <laughs> Listen to fucking medical advice and not, oh, just, yeah, it's, it's the age of idiocy, Bob, but in, the, in this age of idiocy, there are some wonderful hymns and wonderful examples of, of neighborhood, um, of community, brotherhood, sisterhood. All that, and so you know, we'll, we'll come out the other end, uh, possibly fatter, which will be absolutely fine, but uh, with a soft, with softer hearts. Yeah. Well, on that note, I'd just like to say thank you, Tim Rogers, for hibernating with me on hibernation. Love you, Bob. I'll see you when the storm's over. Okay. Indeed. You be good and be well. Bye, bye, my friend. See you, mate. Bye. Thanks for joining me on Hibernation. Until the next time, look after each other. We're worth it. Bye.